0: Now get 0% APR or up to $1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
2: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
0: Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. (gasps) No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: What's good, y'all? This is your boy Justin, a.k.a. Just Blaze, host of Above the Rim. And if you want a raw take on the NBA, Above the Rim is a show for you. With dope beats and entertaining guests each week, we offer a great new insight on all things NBA. You don't want to miss it. Talk about it! You are now tuned in to Above The Room. Welcome, welcome to Above the Rim, episode 35, brought to you by your host, as always, Justin, A.K.A. Just Blaze, and you know how we do—nothing but special guests here each and every week on Above the Rim. Joining me this week is one of my brothers. I know this guy very well. He's been on two previous episodes of Above the Rim. I believe it was episode two and episode 12. Founder of the Simeon's House organization, my brother Hakim Constantine. Hi, thanks for joining me, my brother.
3: Good evening, Just. Thanks for having me, my brother. Oh,
1: anytime, anytime. It's a pleasure, my dude. It's a pleasure. <laughs> it's an honor to be here. Of course. Of course, you can find Above the Rim on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and the Almighty Baller Network every Tuesday. Make sure you give Above the Rim that five-star review. Follow me on Twitter at JustBlaze underscore 513. Justin Lee867 at yahoo.com to submit questions, comments, topics, or use the hashtag acts above THE RIM. Pop, where can they find you on social media?
3: On Instagram, Professor underscore OCK, and also Simeon's House on Instagram as well. If not, just search the name Hakeem Constantine. H A K I M Constantine.
1: Heard it there. You heard it there. Also, Quick announcement, I started a feedback line for Above The Rim, it's via voicemail. So please leave your voice some feedback or if you wanna send a shout out or some love, it'll be greatly appreciated. Also, I'll be playing it on the show when you drop one, but if you wanna remain anonymous, if you shook, if you scared, just let me know, I won't play it on the show. And uh, so of course leave your info as well. So the number for that feedback, voicemail above the rim line is 908-718-1592. That's 908-718-1592. So make sure you drop that voicemail. I'll be playing them on the next show. It's gonna be dope, man. So, man, before we start also as well, Hawk, I wanna give a big shout-out to Colin Kaepernick.
3: Absolutely.
1: for, For GQ. Man of the Year. Man, Man of the, of the year. year. It was the uh, the Citizens of the Year award, right? Citizens of the Year. I mean, well overdue. Absolutely. But we'll take any win that we can get right now. That's a large how, one. How did you feel about that when you heard it today? Well
3: deserved. Well deserved. I mean, as much sacrifice as he's had to make for others who are currently in the league and for those individuals who are in college and who are soon going to be in the league yeah. and for all of the others who, who aspired to be in the league. I mean, he basically sacrificed his entire career for everyone else who comes after him. He was a pioneer. A pioneer. So if that doesn't deserve a man of the year or citizen of the year, then
1: what does? Oh, I, I couldn't have said that any better. Then what does? Then what does? <laughs> what does? Yo, that's such a fact. Seriously, what does? Seriously. So big shout-out to Connor for that. And respect out for GQ for having the guts to do it. A lot of magazines would be scared right now. They don't want that negative media attention, but they were brave enough, and they knew it was the right thing to do, and I'm glad they did it.
3: Yeah, right is right, wrong is wrong, and he's standing up for all of those who don't have a voice, and for all of those who don't wanna nail or who don't uh, wanna get cut, or get released, or traded. He said, you know what, F this, man. I'll do it myself. If I gotta stand alone, if I gotta stand on the cross, I do it myself, so much respect to Connor Kaepernick.
1: Much respect, much respect. So we definitely gave him love over here and above the rim. So, Hawk. so today, man, we're gonna be talking a lot of Knicks. Oh, wow. New, New- York Knicks. <laughs> the New York Knicks. New York City is buzzing right now. For all my listeners across the U.S., I know uh, that you know I'm from Brooklyn, New York. My man, Hawk, is also from Brooklyn, New York. So we have a bird's eye view to the frenzy that is the Unicorn, that is KP, that is the New York Knicks right now. now. Almost everyone who follows the NBA outside of, you know, some diehard Knicks fans thought that the Knicks would be one of the worst teams in the league this year. Myself included. I know you did. I, I did. know you did. I damn sure did. I definitely did. you so disrespectful. Of course, I had to. I mean, the Knicks, the Knicks right now, their record right now is 75 The six in the East right now. They started the season 0-3. and So, Hawk, my man, I'm gonna ask you, describe the mood of the Knicks fan base right now in one word.
3: Optimistic. Optimistic. Optimistic, because for the first time in a long time, you got hope, because you're building around a bunch of young players. So the only way you can go is up. It's not like you have a bunch of aging veterans, guys who's been there. 10 years, 13 years on their way out, you got guys on their way in and guys that are not only young and hungry, hungry, but they can ball. They
1: definitely can ball. They also can
3: ball because it's one thing if you got guys that's young and hungry, but they can't ball. You got guys that's young, hungry, and they can ball. So the fan
1: base is definitely optimistic. I agree with you there. One word that I have to describe the mood is a little hyper right now. <laughs> and let me tell you why I say hyper. Right now, Knicks fans are a little hyper. I mean, it's okay to be excited about the Knicks. I totally get it. I totally understand. I am excited for the Knicks right now. It's been a while since we had something something to necessarily look forward to. But the reason why I say it hyper is because it is only 12, 13 games, 15 games into the season, and it is early. And a lot of times, new players or young players like to get off to a hot start during the season because they're excited. They're ready to go. The players are hyper as well. It's a new era for the Knicks right now. So that's why I say the Knicks fans are slightly hyper, but I can't be mad at it.
3: I got you. I got you. But you know the reason why I say optimistic Mm -hmm. is because they have young guys, but they got what I like to call young vets. Because when you look at KP, he's been around three years. When you look at Tim Hardaway... That's a veteran? When you look at Tim Hardaway, hold on. When you look at Tim Hardaway, he's been in the league. This is going on his fifth year. You got guys like Cantor. You got other guys like McDermott. You got other guys like Jared Jack. So it's a nice combination of guys who who, who aren't rookies and also another combination of guys who aren't on their way out as yet, and it blends perfectly. They're still a young team. You know, they they still got the young point guard, but at the same time, it's going to mesh well, and it's going to blend well for the future. So Mm -hmm. definitely, one more
1: time, optimistic. Optimistic. (laughs) Do you feel like the fan base feels the same sentiment that you have right now, or is it a little all over the place? How do you feel? The majority of Nick fan base feels right now. From oh, the people well,
3: that you spoke well, to. Well, from the people that I've spoken to, I would say that they, you know, that they feel similar to the ways that I do, because it's not like any guy is scoring 50 one night and then the next night they're scoring three points. You're seeing what the future has in store. You're seeing Perzingis turn into a, a star right in front of your eyes. You're seeing Tim Hardaway trying to find more consistency with his shot. You're seeing a guy like Ernest Cantor averaging a double-double. He grabs 15 rebounds a night. Everybody can't average a double-double. Everybody can't grab 15 rebounds a night. I agree. Not to mention, you got guys like Hernan Gomez who can't even get off the bench because we got guys like and young he was vets. A promising young rookie Absolutely. last season. You can't On get rookie team. pine right now. We got young vets, as yeah. I like to say, like Kyle
1: Quinn putting in work. Yeah. Doing dirty work. I like Kyle Quinn. I wanna give a shout out to Kyle Quinn. I really like Kyle Quinn. And, Hawk, I'm glad that you brought up KP because, of course, KP is the franchise right now. Now, this year, Chris Stapp's Paul Zingas, the 7'3 phenom, the unicorn, has taken his game to another level this season. This season, he's averaging a career high 30 points per game. One of three players to average 30 this year. Seven rebounds and two blocks. He's second in the NBA in points, third in blocks. Most points by a Nick over the first nine games of a season. Eighth game this season with at least 30 plus points. I mean, that's more than double the amount of 30 points games he compiled all of last year when Melo was there. So he's looking very comfortable right now in his new role. So. Speaking of Porzingis, the unicorn, do, what is one difference that you've noticed this year in KP's game that's taken his game to another level?
3: He can score the ball from anywhere on the court, and he can do it with consistency. He can do it with consistency. It's one thing if he only had 30 points for two games or three games. Almost every game he's played in, He's had 30 or more. He's averaging 30 points on a season. And in crunch time, he wants the ball. It was a game against Indiana this year, and they came back from over 15 points down. They did. And he looked. He looked like a superstar. He's not quite there yet, but he looked like a superstar. Commanding a double team, shooting, getting an and one. He basically became unstoppable.
1: Asking for the ball as asking well. Asking
3: for the ball as See, well. There's
1: a difference of some people who just get the ball, who are handed the ball, or the ball happens to land in their hands at crunch time. But KP is going up there at to the top of the key, and he's asking for that ball.
3: Absolutely. And another thing that I noticed in this game, you know, even checking out social media and, and other blogs and things like that over the summer, he actually worked out a lot and bulked up. Oh, he did. So even though he's tall and he's still lanky, he has a lot of strength behind that length. He he's very strong. He's 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 deceptively strong. He definitely so, worked on his strength. Absolutely. So he 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 added a lot of strength to his game, and he's versatile, man. A, a unicorn
1: is a name that suits that, him perfectly. That's a perfect name. <laughs> he really is a unicorn, man. He's an anomaly. I'll tell you that, man. And I think a difference that I learned. I think he's. He has done a better job this year of making his presence felt around the rim this year. Oh, yeah. We know he's 7'3", but not you can have a 7'3", like a Sean Bradley kind of 7'3", who wasn't necessarily a factor around him. He could block shots with his long reach, but he wasn't necessarily making his presence felt. He wasn't a big body Absolutely. in he, the lane.
3: He damn sure wasn't athletic. You he know, damn it wasn't... sure was.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, another thing that I also noticed with KB is that He's learning how to take players off of the dribble, oh, especially yeah. slower players, bigger players. That's guys another part guarding.
3: of his arsenal as well,
1: ball handling. De- and also another part that I've uh, that he's worked on is his turnaround jumpers. You notice he learned a lot from Dirk Nowitzki over the summer. During the summer, he's worked out with Dirk. He's perfected that little turnaround 17 to 20 footer with a smaller defender on him. That's money right now for KP. Absolutely. That's money. Also, he's getting a lot of offensive rebounds, a lot of putback dunks off those offensive rebounds. You notice that, right, too?
3: His game has improvement written all over it. All over it. Which is just exactly how a young player's game should be. You should grow from year one to year two, from year two to year three. I agree. And he's made a quantum leap after his first year to his second year to now.
1: I 100% agree so now that we are talking about his leap the one and the major difference from last year to this year is Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo Anthony is now a member of the OKC Thunder as we all know so the dreaded question I gotta ask you (laughs) do you feel Melo was holding KP back holding the unicorn back no,
3: I don't feel like Mello was holding KP back. I mean That's Mello, the
1: narrative right now. Yeah,
3: but you can't say that one of the greatest players to ever play was holding back a second year player from overseas. If anything, he actually was helping him, you know, because when you look at KP's game, you can see the pure scorer in him, but he got a lot of his moves, a lot of the intangibles from Mello. So I don't think Melo was holding them back, but you got to realize as a vet, you're in the league 12 years, you just command the ball a little bit more. So unfortunately, some of the shots that Carmelo was taking last year, KP is taking this year. And crunch time is KP's time instead of Carmelo's time. But I'm very sure KP appreciates Everything that Melo did for him and everything that Melo showed him because Melo showed him how to be a professional And not only that on the court, but how to deal with a city like New York The
1: spotlight the The spotlight is
3: always on you. So if anything he definitely aided him because Imagine if he was here by himself and there was no Carmelo the media could actually broke him down
1: They would have had a field
3: day. Who's this seven-foot-three guy? 210 pounds from another country exactly but now, when Carmelo was here, Carmelo was able to absorb yes. all of the negativity, yes. while KP could quietly work on his game. I hundred percent agree. So, I, I definitely to agree. answer your question, just no, not at all. I don't think Carmelo held KP back at all.
1: He he aided him. I I agree with you there. I think I definitely think he helped him and he aided him, as you alluded to. But the one thing I will say, just to play devil's advocate there. I just think that Carmelo had to go this year in order for KP to blossom into the leader that he is or is becoming right now. But with that being said, I definitely don't think Melo held him back at all because I think last year if Melo wasn't there it would have been a totally different Porzingis and I don't think Porzingis would have been as confident this year if Melo wasn't there last year. So I definitely think he showed him how to be a professional. He showed him how to deal with the spotlight, the scrutiny, and I think he was tremendous in KP's growth. I think he's accelerated KP's growth, I should say.
3: Yes, and I think it worked out for both parties because now Carmelo is part of a veteran squad who's ready to win championships, and now KP is the leader of a younger squad who can put fair in any team in the NBA on any given night. So, 100% it worked out
1: for both parties. Definitely. I definitely think it worked out. So, shout-out to Melo. But Melo, I mean, I didn't get to you in my upcoming episodes. I will get to you. I have to address Melo's gameplay right now in the OKC Thunder, because he's still looking like Nick Mello right now, and I need him to turn into Olympic Melo in order <laughs> For the thunder to prosper, but well, that's another issue for, for another, another episode. Day. <laughs> Next episode, exactly. So, uh so Hawk, so can Porzingis carry a team right now, or is this hot start, this hot 13-15 game start, is it just a mirage?
3: You're looking at it. I mean, I don't think 30 points a game is is just a mirage. I think 30 points a game is a product of hard work. Is a product of being around a future Hall of Famer in Melo. Is a product of, I'm ready to lead. This is my city. This is my team. Yeah. So I think the best is yet to come. You got to realize this is only his third year. Third so year. Third year. You Major know,
1: progression. Re-
3: remember, this is Joel Embiid's third year as well. Sure. And he can't stay on the court. So.
1: At least KP can
3: stay on the court. At least KP can stay on the court. So let's give him his credit. You know, and let's not act like 30 points is not 30 points. Yeah. That, you know? That, let, let's not <laughs> it's act There's only like three players points. in the league that's only averaging three. 30. Exactly. Who's the other two?
1: It's uh Giannis and, I believe, James Harden. There we go. Great company. Exactly. That's great company right there. So I definitely think KP can carry a team. I just think you have to have the right pieces around him, the requisite pieces, which I think, ho- well, hopefully, I should say, the Knicks front office do a good job of placing the proper pieces around him. But I definitely think KP has enough talent right now to be the best player on a championship team, if you do have the requisite parts around him. a Couple of veterans, a nice point guard, a couple big bodies down low who can I help agree. him out. And I definitely think he has enough talent to be your number one option. I
3: agree with that. He's got my vote.
1: Yeah, most definitely. So if there's one thing that we had to nitpick on KP's game, what is one thing that you think he can improve on, or maybe a weakness in his game, if any? Consistent defense, mm. consistent
3: defense. I mean, you gotta think about it. He's a young guy, he's also from overseas where defense is not really emphasized like that. So he just has to work more on his low post defense, being able to defend some of the bigger guys who's gonna take him in a block, you know, a la DeMarcus Cousins. You know? The big bodies down there. The big bodies. Right now, we call that barbecue chicken. Absolutely. You know, Anthony Davis, Joel Embiid. So you know, he just has to improve on his defense, stand firm. You know, but those things are intangibles that come with time. You know, you 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 can't expect a man to average thirty and also get ten steals and ten <laughs> blocks a game. <laughs> you know, you gotta pick and choose. Exactly. I take the
1: thirty for now. I take the thirty right now. Just <laughs> so disrespectful. A lot of people are disrespecting KP right now, but I'll take the thirty. I'll, I'll take it take for now. take the thirty. Now. But if there's one thing that I feel he needs to improve on, it's his rebounding and toughness right now. And I feel like those are the two things that he's not necessarily lacking in, but something that he can definitely improve on. Because right now, as a 7'3", power forward slash center, he's got to get me more than seven rebounds per night. That's my issue. If you're a big man, I understand you got Kanna on the squad. I understand they have Joakim Noah coming back. They have a Hernan Gomez. But for my power forward slash center, 7'3", I need 10 rebounds from you. Or maybe nine. Nine I'll take. 9.5. But I just feel like he can improve on his rebounding and being more of a paint presence on the defensive end, toughness-wise, because he does get his blocks.
3: I agree with that to a point, but let's not forget, he's still a perimeter player. So he's taking a lot of these shots, and when you take a lot of shots in the paint or above the arc, sometimes the ball doesn't carry him so far out. So that's why... Cancer. Well, on the
1: defensive end, though. Well, yeah, he, he...
3: on on the defensive end, but mm-hmm. at the same time, he does at times start the fast break a little early. But hey, he does. If if we could get better defense and more rebounds out of him, the more
1: the merrier. Hey. We'll take it. <laughs> exactly. I mean, and also I need to see him pass a little bit better out of the double team. I think he can improve on that as well. Cause now since he is an offensive force, he's gonna be commanding a lot more double teams now. So he's gonna have to learn how to pass out of that post a little bit better and hit those open shooters, but the Knicks gotta get some shooters. Again, so the Knicks gotta get some shooters on that squad. A few more consistent shooters would definitely help. Yeah, they definitely do. So, speaking of those phenoms, another, a couple of other phenoms in the class of Porzingis is Carl anthony Towns, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Anthony Davis. So, Hawk, if you starting a franchise right now, and you only have these four players to choose from as your number one pick. Are you taking Porzingis, Carl anthony Towns, Giannis, or AD? Who you starting your franchise with?
3: Well, you know me. I'm a Knicks fan. <laughs> so I'm going to go with KP.
1: Okay. You gotta but go if I why. had
3: to take KP out of the equation, I have to go with, give me Carl give me anthony Towns. Mm. You know, I go with the consistent big man down low. That can give me 20.
1: He can give me 10. He's averaging 21 and 11 and two blocks.
3: Absolutely. Yeah, you know, he, so he's going to give me 10. I mean, he's going to give me 20. He's going to give me 10. And then also, he's going to be healthy for 82 games. That's true. He's so very that, durable. Very durable. So with that being said, the only thing I want have to build around him is the perimeter. Get a good guard, get some good wing players. But I have that solidified. I I, I have the post game solidified. So when you look at history, and you see guys like Shaq, guys like Tim Duncan, guys like Hakeem Olajuwon, all of the all of the pieces on the wing and in the back court in the back court can change. But when you have that.
1: That stabilizing force. when you right have there.
3: that stabilizing force who can be there for 10 12 15 years that doesn't change A 100% agree. so the guards could come in and come out but you got a guaranteed 20 points and 10 rebounds there so uh, if I'm not going with KP I'm going with call Anthony Towns
1: all right can't go wrong there can't go wrong there I'm actually gonna go with Giannis I'm going with the Greek Freak Everybody knows I'm a big Giannis fan. I think this year is going to be his MVP year, and I think the Bucks are going to get to the Eastern Conference Finals with the injury to Gordon Haywood. He's killing right now. Look at Giannis's numbers right now. 31, 10, 4 assists, 2 blocks, and a steal. That's all across the board. I understand he needs to work on that jump shot. Like everyone says, he's got he's to gotta add a jump shot to his roster. But right now, if he can get 30 points without having a jump shot, that's nothing to sneeze at. He's a freak athlete. He plays on both ends, offense and defense. And I think right now, having an elite wing player to me right now might be more important than having an elite big right now in the NBA. And that can go either way, honestly. But for me, I'm taking Giannis. I think he's just a generational type talent.
3: I I agree with that to a point, but I think I think most people have just been infatuated about. What Giannis can be instead mm-hmm. of really what he is. I mean, well, I'm
1: talking about what he is, though. I mean,
3: well, this year.
1: Mm-hmm. This in, year.
3: Yeah. I, I, how many years has he been in the league? I think three this years. Is... Three years. Okay, so so this three is three or his fourth? Four. Yeah. Okay, so this I think this is his fourth or, or fifth year, mm-hmm. but he still needs to develop a consistent jump shot. Oh, for sure. Because you know what? For sure. When the playoffs come, it's too much of work for you to keep trying to get dunks. It
1: happened last year.
3: Coming to post because what they do, they'll just put two people on you. Or matter of fact, they'll leave you open instead and say, okay, beat me, beat me, Mm -hmm. beat me. They'll clog the paint up and say, beat me. And that's the thing. KP can beat you with the shot. KP can bring you back down from 15, 17 points, which he's done. Right now, Giannis, he can't do that because of his inability to shoot the ball. He definitely can't shoot the three
1: ball at a high percentage. No, he can. He can't shoot. Wait, you mean KP or Giannis? No, Giannis. Oh, Giannis can't shoot Giannis the three cannot ball. Giannis cannot shoot the that's three ball. That's his Achilles heel, not going to lie. Yeah,
3: he cannot shoot the three ball at a high percentage. And, you know, his his mid-range game is average at best. You know, in the paint, that's where he becomes the Greek freak. He is. But <laughs> He like can draw I, those fouls. Get like I said, rack.
1: anywhere from the paint to 33 feet out,
3: mm.
1: KP all day. But let me tell you one thing that I think Yannick has over KP, which is the reason why I would take him if I'm starting a franchise, which is his playmaking ability. I think Giannis can act as in de facto point guard, point forward type. He can bring the ball up the floor. He can start up the offense. He can get everyone else in their right spots. And he can demand a double team. He is learning how to post. And that's one thing, like I said, I think KP needs to work on. I think he needs to work on his playmaking ability and learning how to control an offense. Not yeah, necessary. but that's not his job. You see, like... But he has to be if you're the number one offensive threat.
3: Not necessarily. Shaq used to be the number one offensive Shaq threat. Shaq was
1: a good passer. Yeah, but it's not like he averaged eight assists or six assists. Nah, but Shaq will get you three, a strong three, to, an impactful three to Robert Ory, to Derek Fisher.
3: Yeah, but when you look at it, it's really not necessary. I mean, it's great if a player can do all of these extra things. Yeah, yeah, it's a plus. But it's really not necessary. I mean, even to the to the extent where Milwaukee said, wow, this guy's doing so many things, we don't want to wear him down. Let's go get Eric Bledsoe. That's why they got Eric Bledsoe. But
1: they had to upgrade, though. Say what? They had to upgrade at that point guard position. Well, yeah,
3: they did, but now you bring in a point guard who can do that job yeah. that Giannis was doing. So now instead of doing five, six, seven things, he can just do what he does which is score the ball, play defense, lock down the opponent's best offensive player, and keep it moving.
1: I 100% agree. I definitely agree there. So, I mean, like I said before, it's to each his own, man. To each his own. You can't go wrong with any one of those dudes. The NBA is definitely in good hands in the future, man. It is.
3: It is. Definitely a lot of good young players,
1: young talent. Definitely is. So as we're recording this, the Cavs and the Knicks are playing right now. LeBron James James. is in the Garden right now playing the Knicks. He took the subway to the Garden or to Penn Station or something like that caused a little bit of a frenzy. Here in New York City, they had the SWAT team out there. Good thing it wasn't the weekend. He <laughs> would have been waiting two hours. Boy, exactly, don't get... exactly, man. It was a little ridiculous today. <laughs> So, um, So with that being said, he had a couple of interesting comments about the Knicks rookie, the French Krilla, Frank Natila Kina. He played Dennis Smith Jr. the other day. The other night, he plays the Dallas Mavericks. And he says that Dennis Smith Jr. should have been a Nick. Said no disrespect to Frank, but he was definitely taking a shot at Phil Jackson. So when Frank got drafted, there was a lot of naysayers not happy with the pick from Phil Jackson. Me included in me that. Me included as well. I wasn't happy right there. So I I'm threw a sneak at the TV when that happened. I definitely did, man. I, I couldn't believe it. So, Hawk, I'm asking you do you still think that drafting. Frenchie, Frank, was a mistake. I'll tell you what, at first, on draft night, I said,
3: who the hell is this guy? I damn sure did. <laughs> Boy, if you I don't sure get it. I was pissed off. I said, I never heard of this guy. Who is this guy? And then, summer league, he gets hurt. So he doesn't play the whole summer league. And then when the season starts, yep. he doesn't play the no first show. game or two. No show. It's like, oh, man, what the hell did the Knicks do? But then I watched the game against Indiana and I saw when they took Jerry Jack out and they brought him in and they put him on Oladipo and the whole game changed. I mean, defensively, Mm. this guy right now is the best defensive rookie right now. Best? The best defensive rookie. in In my humble opinion, he's the best defensive rookie right now. His footwork, he's long. He's consistent, and when you watch the Knicks, that's actually a great element that he adds to the team in pairing him with Porzingis, who can sometimes fall asleep on defense. So now imagine if they did have Dennis Smith. By the way, the Dallas Mavericks are 2-11. Even with Dennis Smith. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Even with Dennis Smith, the Dallas Mavericks are 2-11. But now when you add a player who just focuses on defense, Mm -hmm. and you add them with one of the best scorers in the league in KP, that's a great tandem. Even when you think about history, Magic Johnson wasn't always an offensive threat. He started out being a defensive threat. Yeah. When you think about Jason Kidd, one of the best point guards of all time, he wasn't always an offensive threat. They used to leave him open for many years until he developed their three-point shot and a consistent jump shot. So I'll take the defense over the offense any day. I mean, when you look at some okay. of this guy's highlights um, in Dennis Dallas... Dennis Smith got
1: some highlights.
3: When you look at some of Dennis Smith's highlights, it's like, oh, wow, what am I watching? It's like... He's a it's, freak it's like athlete. a six. It's like a six-three Vince Carter.
1: Yes, he is, man. Or,
3: or a baby Russell Westbrook. Whatever, whatever name you want to call him. Dennis Smith Jr. is big time. Undeniable. He is a big time player. But I don't know if pairing Dennis Smith with Tim Hardaway Jr., Kristaps Porzingis, mm-hmm. and you got young guys like Hernan Gomez. I don't know if all of that would have been a recipe for success. Now, when you add in the rookie Frank. His whole focus is on defense. So now he shoots when he needs to shoot. Mm -hmm. He can playmate. And we got to remember, he's only 19 years old. He's only 19 years old. So just imagine, the best Mm -hmm. is yet to come.
1: I I agree with you there, but I will have to disagree with you. I would rather have Dennis Smith Jr. I think the Knicks did actually make a mistake because I think Dennis Smith Jr. right now is an NBA-ready product as opposed to... Frank being more of a prospect, he's a development, he's a project, in my words, in my mind. Right now, Dennis Smith Jr. is averaging 14 points, five assists, three rebounds. Frank, even though it's a small sample, averaging four points, but he is giving you five assists, though, which I do like, he is giving you five assists. 19-year-old rookie, I did see his defensive prowess. I noticed that he pays attention on the defensive end. I noticed that he does pay attention to detail, and he does take his defensive matchups Seriously, I do notice that with Frank.
3: Yeah, hey, he's also averaging almost uh, two steals a game. He is
1: almost two steals a game, what? which is very What's good. What's
3: the Mavericks' record again? It's
1: two and the Oh, left like thank you. Uh, rest <laughs> my case. <laughs> I rest my case. I mean, I I, I actually would like Dennis Smith Jr. I think he's a better talent right now, and I think he's ultimately going to become a better pro. But I'm starting to come around on Frank. I I wasn't sold on him. I'm still not sold. Ten games is not enough for me. I like what I'm seeing from Dennis Smith Jr. I think he's in the running for rookie of the year. He definitely might not win, but I think he's in the running. So I think right now, if I was a Nick fan, I would rather have Dennis Smith.
3: Right now, rookie of the year, I would definitely give it to Dennis Smith.
1: Oh No, Ben Simmons probably has to get it right. Absolutely,
3: Ben Simmons as well. But if I'm looking for a guy that's going to play team ball, be unselfish, and play defense, I think Frank is the guy, you know? Sometimes it's not about the best person, it's about the best fit. True. You know, and it's all about the best fit.
1: Great point, it's definitely about fit.
3: And I just think right now, the Knicks rookie, he fits what they're trying to do. Play defense, be gritty, be tough, and also let KP do the scoring. Yeah,
1: that's true.
3: You know, because when you think about it, that's what they paid Tim Hardaway Jr. Yeah, eighty-eight million dollars
1: for. That's it's the score. (laughs) I mean, I I
3: don't know if he's scoring eighty-eight million dollars worth right now, but he's definitely. You know, I don't know what
1: they were thinking when they gave. It's a long season. It's It's a long season, so they must have been on the mouth. I checked back in with. I check back in you
3: with uh, two
1: weeks and see. <laughs> who, who who gave him that contract? I think it was Kobe Altman or something like that. He's uh, somebody. He definitely. I built a mile with that yak. He was hard on the mile yesterday, Skip. He was on a mile with the yak when he hard. signed that paperwork. On a yak, hard, hard yesterday, Skip. Most definitely. So before we move on from the next hot playoffs this year, is it possible? What do you think? Yes, I think the playoffs are
3: possible. Mm. Uh, Right now, I think they sit... mystic. Right now, I think the Knicks sit at the sixth seed. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, in sixth seed. It's very possible because some teams are going to drop, some teams are going to elevate. Like, if the playoffs started today, I don't think Cleveland would be in. But Cleveland will be in there. I think teams like Detroit will drop off. Yeah. You know... Other teams. Indiana's in there right now Orlando's in, in there right Indiana now Indiana would definitely drop off Orlando would definitely drop off And I think the Knicks could get in there As a solid 7th, 8th seed I mean, and That's that's very doable though It's yeah, very possible It's very year. doable And you know when you look at When you just look at the talent in the East It's not as rich as not at all It used to be So not I don't see why A team led by Porzingis Who's averaging 30 points Can't make it to the playoffs you know, right now, I see the Knicks finishing at close to 500, if not at 500. So 41 and 41.
1: Okay. I mean, that's, remember, you said it now. We're going to double back on this. We hear that. 500 Listen, record, 41 and 41.
3: I'll put it to you like this. If the Knicks don't finish at 500, then on me, Peter Lugas.
1: <laughs> oh, that's, a, you heard it here first. You heard it. That's what I'm talking about. I'm a man of my word. I hear you, man. I mean, I personally, I don't think the Knicks are going to get in because I feel like for some reason there's going to be some type of injury bug during the midseason. I don't think KP is going to play the entire season. I think he's going to give you about 65 games, though, 65, 70, which might be enough for them to get that AC, like you said. But I personally think they won't because I think other teams or other veteran teams maybe the, not necessarily veteran teams like the magic or paces but i think they're going to make a late season surge and ultimately Surpass the Knicks to get that seventh. Can you name season. me
3: somebody offered of Orlando Magic?
1: Yeah, Johnson Simmons, Vucevic, Spades, Elton huh? Payton, Aaron Gordon. My <laughs> point exactly. i rest my case. So you trust. It's a crapshoot. No, you I don't trust. You trust them. one of those guys no way, no way. over KP? No way. Not oh, okay. at all. Not at all. Oh, okay. Not at all. Okay. So, like I said. No, no, no. Go ahead, man. Go ahead. It's very. Very doable.
2: I'm I'm on a mile. Yeah. I sound like I'm
1: on the mile right now. I think you are on the miles <laughs> and that yak hard. Yeah, you never know, man. You never know. <laughs> of course. All right, y'all. So it's time for a quick break, but we'll be right back with more Heat. All right, y'all. So we back again So my man, Hawk. Now we got to talk about the new NBA warm-up hoodies. So there's been a lot of controversy lately on the new NBA, the new Nike NBA hoodies. They've been causing a little bit of controversy. I want to play, before we start, I want to play a little clip from from Stephen A. Oh, Stephen A. Because he was mainly the person who had interesting comments about the hoodie in reference to J.R. Smith. So I'm going to play that right now.
2: J.R. Smith was sitting on that bench in the fourth quarter with a hoodie on. I don't know why the hell Nike made these damn uniforms that have hoods attached to it, by the way. You got a lot of those white folks in the audience that's going to think this is Drayvon Martin being revisited. And I'm not joking about it. The bench is no place for somebody to be wearing hoodies. I have no problem with hoodies. People shouldn't be stereotyped and stigmatized for wearing hoodies. But the bench for a basketball player sitting on a bench with his team, that is no place for a hoodie. I don't know why the hell Nike did that. They need to get rid of them damn hoodies. There's no place for a hoodie. A hoodie shouldn't be attached to a uniform that you can wear while you're on the bench during a game.
1: Stephen A, man, he definitely went in on the new Nike he hoodies. Off. So, he Hawk, I'm gonna ask off. you, so how do you feel about the new Nike hoodies? Do you feel like there could be any preconceived notions with the hoodie attached to it? Let me know what you think.
3: As far as for what Stephen A. Smith said, I agree with everything besides the Trayvon Martin comment, but everything else that he said, I agree with 100%. Uh, you know, if I was one of the stars in the league, LeBron James, uh, Russell Westbrook, when they gave me an opportunity to preview the warmups, I would've told them I'm not wearing that. When you, you would've it, said no? I would've said no. Ah. I would've said take this out of the warm-up outfit or else. And once you say that, they gotta respect it because you're one of the best in the league. They gotta listen to you. Because the simple fact is this. Number one, the NBA is made up of over 70% African-American males. Sure. Most of them come from low-income houses in a city. And all you gotta do is turn on CNN, MSNBC, any other news network, and see what's happening in our communities how we get profiled, For sure. no matter what. Even if I had on a three-piece suit, which I wear time to time, and I go on to some of these establishments on Fifth Avenue, Park Avenue in Manhattan, I still get looked at twice. So now imagine if I have on a hoodie that's zipped all the way up, but it has the Milwaukee Bucks or the San Antonio Spurs logo on it. They're looking at me like I'm a criminal. And that's just the facts. And even when you look at the NBA, they changed the sideline attire for their players.
1: Yeah, the dress code. The yeah. dress code. Yeah.
3: Allen Iverson. That was the Allen Iverson rule. Allen Iverson rule. So because Allen Iverson wanted to be comfortable on the sidelines when he wasn't playing and he wanted to wear a do rag or he wanted to wear a hat
1: or his w- chain or his chain,
3: jeans, they told him he couldn't do it. And now you flash forward 10, 11 years later, now a hoodie is a part of the warm-up attire. Very what sense does that make?
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting. I'm not gonna lie. I, I was very, I was very surprised by this. I was very perturbed that they even went forth with this. I mean, I don't necessarily have a problem with the hoodie itself, but more or less what the hoodie symbolizes at times. At times it could symbolize. A negative thing or have negative connotations to it, and as far as going back to Stephen A, I definitely feel like he was out of bounds with the Trayvon Martin comment because I felt like he definitely went left field with that and he didn't have to take it there. I wouldn't
3: say that he was totally out of bounds, I just would have left Trayvon Martin out of it. But I think it was unnecessary. But I the say. fact of the matter is, is that as an African American male, yeah. which I am, if I have a hoodie on at night. Which I do sometimes, and I pass a certain crowd of people in certain places, I'm suspicious.
1: Oh, yeah. I'm
3: deemed suspicious. So, knowing that and having that knowledge that all of these people in the offices who made this deal. And sign this contract for for these hoodies to be a part of the attire. You mean no one a light a light bulb didn't go off in anyone's head and said, "Wait a minute, yes. let's be more sensitive yes. to what these players go through, to what some of these young African American males go through in their community." Because yes. if I have a hoodie on and true. I pass by someone or a certain group of people, they're gonna watch me closely. Yeah, it's not gonna be welcome. If I don't have a hood on and I'm just walking, just because the color of my skin, I'm getting profiled anyway. Yeah. So why would I bring more attention to myself? So I think that that was a bad move by Nike. On top of that, the jerseys stink because (laughs) as soon as you sneeze on them, they start to rip. That's true. I just think it was bad all the way around. On top of that, listen, I'm an educator. Mm-hmm. I work inside of a school. We discourage kids from wearing hoodies around the hallways. Around the hallways because Walking we try to keep the them in uniform. Yeah. But now, Russell Westbrook does it. LeBron James mm-hmm. does it. Mm-hmm. It's okay. It's yeah. accepted. So now let's put the hoodies on. Mm-hmm. I just don't. Let me, don't... Tell, you, let me tell you something.
1: Let me tell you my issue. What I think. I think I'm. I don't necessarily have a problem with the hoodie itself if they're wearing it down. My issue is when they start zipping up the hoodie and they put it all over their face and they're hiding their face on the bench. I just don't feel like, in my mind, I don't think it's very professional. And if you want to portray the NBA as a very professional environment, as in enforcing the dress code, so you're obviously trying to go in a more professional route. These guys are getting paid millions of dollars. These guys do have to learn how to uh, learn how to carry themselves in a corporate environment, in a corporate manner. When they do go to these business meetings that they're on, when they do go to the meetings with their accountant or people that they have to do business with. So that I definitely agree with you there. I don't feel like, even though it's differently because it's on the court, I just think it's not sending the right message. Absolutely not.
3: And. You can't give these players uh, hoodies and then tell them how to wear it. If it yeah, has strings, exactly. I can exactly. tie it up. If exactly. it has a zipper, I can zip it up. Exactly. The fact of the matter is, they shouldn't have got hoodies in the first place because it sends the wrong message, especially We're to the minority. We're living in a sensitive time right now. We're living in a sensitive time and it sends the wrong message to the minority young men, a lot of which who I work with, a lot of which who I coach. True. It sends the wrong message because when I see my young boys, I tell them, take your hat off when you're in the building. Take your hood off when you're in the building.
1: And, they, and, respect. and they're going to be upset about you saying it the first time, but they're going to realize later in life there's certain things that you can and you can't do. And you have to uh, portray yourself or carry carry yourself yeah, in a respectful you gotta carry, manner.
3: Yeah, you have to carry yourself in a respectful manner and you have to understand the facts that you are a young minority man and right or wrong, you're going to get judged and looked at differently. Yeah,
1: I definitely 100% agree. 100% agree. So, I mean, the hoodies are here to stay for now. So, I guess we got to uh, deal with it or be cool with it, I guess. But I just think they should have rethought that issue thought using they know what they was doing yeah definitely did they know what they were doing they they can make a change or learn how to improvise in some way so we're gonna keep on the lookout for that let's see what happens stay tuned stay tuned so a new segment that I'm premiering on episode 35 of Above the Rim is the who are you sending overseas segment those of you the listeners if you remember my man Dominique shout out to Damo uh, he oh he, he brought up D-Rose a lot. Every time he brought up D-Rose, he always said that D-Rose isn't as talented anymore. And that if he can't play ball the way he's capable of playing ball, it's time for him to go overseas. It's time, time for him to go overseas and play ball. So for my man, Hawk, I'll be throwing out three candidates who I think are either old or underperforming. And he's going to tell me if he thinks they're washed up. And if he thinks they're washed up, he's going to send them overseas or they could stay in the US and play ball. So first up, gonna have to go with D-Wade from the Cleveland Cavaliers. This year, D-Wade is averaging five a game, three assists, three rebounds, only playing 25 minutes a game, 13-year vet, 33 years old, in the twilight years of his career. Are you sending D-Wade overseas or not?
3: No, I'm not sending him overseas. I just think for D-Wade, people put too much expectations on him. You got to mm-hmm. think about it. He's had a long career, but he's also taken a lot of punishment throughout his career. You know, he's he very, you, you know, and on the back half, he's been very injury prone. But if guys like Channing Fry and Richard Jackson, R- Richard Jefferson, excuse me, still could get a check, so can <laughs> D-Wade. <laughs> Yo. And
1: <laughs> thank you.
3: <laughs> if guys like Channing Frye and Richard Jefferson can still get a check, so can D Wade. So and can D Wade. <laughs> I think the acquisition of D Wade is not really for the regular season. It's more so for the playoffs. Thank you. Because yes. when it's two minutes left on the clock and the team is down by two, D Wade knows what to do. I still trust him. Rather than trusting some of these young guys with the ball.
1: Oh, definitely. He's a man. crafty
3: veteran. So, so you keeping him here? Yeah, we keeping him here because okay. he just has to make it through the regular season
1: yeah. and the playoffs is his time. Cleveland will be all right. Cleveland will be all right, man. I, I know they're going through rough times right now. I definitely agree with you there. I'm not, I'm not ready to send D Wade overseas yet because he wasn't brought to Cleveland for right now. He's not yeah. brought to Cleveland for the f- for, for the first 15 games. Save him for April. Save him for April. He's there for the last 15 games. So I'm not ready to give up on D-Wade yet. He just has to get through the regular season. So next up, Andre Iguodala. Are you sending him overseas? This season, he's having averaging career lows across the board, five points per game, three rebounds, three assists. Oh, excuse me. The last D-Wade, he was aver- actually averaging eight points per game, excuse me. Andre Iguodala-, Iguodala is averaging five points per game, three rebounds, three assists, also playing 25 minutes a night, 13-year vet. He's 33 years old. Are you sending him overseas or not? No, I
3: wouldn't send him overseas either. Uh, You know, he's a champion two-time champion, but what I would say is, for the price that they're paying him, maybe it's a little bit too much. At least D-Wade He Wade, definitely cashed in this get, Absolutely. At least D-Wade, he's getting a league minimum, so he's not really hurting the cap. True. But, you know, I think is making north of $10 million, which is a lot of yeah, money sure. to pay a guy who's only averaging five or six or so points, but he's another guy that you save him just in case if KD is down for a few... Curry is down For a few he Draymond Green He definitely step in seamlessly. Absolutely Draymond Green Gets suspended for a few As he usually does <laughs> Just good. so disrespectful. As, as he def- usually does As he usually so, does He's just another Car in the garage That you bring him out In April True.
1: And you say let's bang Oh, Another big body In the another garage Another big
3: body In the garage <laughs> You know You don't bring him Talk out about now Talk about
1: it You save him for later Of course I definitely agree So I don't think it's time I agree with you I don't think it's time To send Iggy overseas I'm going to keep him here as well. So next up, Tony Allen, the grindhouse Tony Allen, averaging four points per game, no assists, two rebounds, only playing 13 minutes for the New Orleans Pelicans. He's also a 13-year vet, 35 years old. Is it time to send him overseas, or are you keeping him here?
3: Well, I would say... Tony Allen's claim to fame has always been his defense. Always. And unfortunately, when you get a little older, you don't have the same quickness, you don't have the same agility that you once had. So being that his claim to fame was defense and he no longer has that lockdown defense as far as taking the other team's best offensive play out the game, it may be time for him to go overseas. Mm. You know, or better yet, just hang it up, you know. Hang it up. He, he has <laughs> he's he has had a long, illustrious, great defensive career. Yeah. One of the greatest defensive players, I would say, all yeah. of, of all time.
1: Definitely is on, a, on top ten, maybe top ten, top twenty. Yeah, top twenty,
3: I would say. But it, you know, he's played so long at a high level defensively that you know sometimes when you get a little older and that's your claim to fame, you got to give it up.
1: Yeah, definitely, I agree. I honestly think. Tony Allen might be time to hang, not might be, I think it is time for Tony Allen to hang it up. Overseas may be a stretch because I mean, he actually could go overseas and get some minutes. And yeah. bowl over there in Shanghai. He,
3: he could get some minutes, but those <laughs> guys are fast over there. They are
1: fast over there as well.
3: We don't want him tears ACL or anything like <laughs> of that. Of course
1: of course, not getting up and down the court. I oh, mean, no.
3: You got to bow out gracefully sometimes. Yeah.
1: He's in them goon years right now. He's those veteran presence goon years right yeah. now. Tony Allen in. it. <laughs> a lot of mileage. A, a lot, lot of, of mileage. A lot of mileage on him. So that was the overseas segment right there. And now it's time for the crossover segment. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We talking about practice. I got some good ones this week for the crossover segment. So for my new listeners, I'll be throwing out player comparisons from different eras. My man, Hawk, acts as a GM, and he tells me who he would take out of the two in their primes. Of course, he doesn't know these choices. So, Hawk, I got some goodies for you. Let me hear it. First up, are you taking a prime Jason Kidd, or a prime Gary Payton. Now let me give you the career stats. Jason Kidd, 12 points per game, 6 rebounds, 8 assists, 1.9 steals per game, 40% from the floor. One-time champ, 10-time All-Star, 5-time All-NBA first team, co-rookie of the year, 4-time All-Defensive first team. GP, the glove. 16 points per game, three rebounds, six assists, 1.8 steals per game, 46% from the floor, one-time champ, nine-time All-Star, two-time All-NBA first, one-time defensive player of the year, nine-time All-Defensive first team. Are you taking Prime j Kidd or Prime Gary Payton? If I had to make
3: a selection, I would definitely take uh, Prime Jason Kidd. Mm. And how I come to that decision is this. If you swap them out, What do I think the production will be? I think if you take Gary Payton in his prime and you put him on those Nets teams that Jason Kidd played on. Kerry Kittles. Yeah, Kerry Kittles, (laughs) Keith Van Horn. Keith Van Horn. (laughs) One of the Collins brothers. Todd
1: McCullough.
3: Todd McCullough. I don't think, (laughs) I do not think, that Gary Payton could have brought that team to the finals once, let alone twice, Mm. let alone be a perennial powerhouse in the Eastern Conference. When you look at Jason Kidd, he's the epitome of a leader and a playmaker. Like, he's made guys better. And when you look at the rosters that the Nets had over those years, he's gotten a lot of guys a lot of checks. Yeah. A lot of guys, oh, a, a lot of checks just oh, by penetrating and dishing. He made he, a lot of boys look good. He made a lot of boys look good. Richard Jefferson, Kerry Kittles. Um, Kenny Martin. Kenyon Martin. You know, the list goes on and on. So I would definitely take Jason Kidd. And not to mention, he's top 10 all time in three-point percentage.
1: Yeah, that he is. And three point, three point is made as three well. Three-point
3: is made as well.
1: For, for, they used to say Jason kidd They used to call him Ace and kidd with no J yeah but he ended up on top five or top ten in uh three point oh, absolutely us, and,
3: and that just shows you that the evolution of someone's game because he came True. into the league as a defender and then he developed his game more and a little more yeah and became one of the best point guards. Of all time. Of
1: all time. I 100% agree with you, Hawk. I definitely agree. I'm going Jason Kidd as well. I think he's top five point guard of all time. I'm not going to go down the list. I could say that for another day, but I definitely oh, yeah. think Jay Kidd is top five all time. I think he's a better leader than Gary Payton. Even though GP was a great leader, uh, he did galvanize those Seattle Sup- Supersonics teams in the 1980s in the year 1996 to get to the finals. But I still think they had a better team than that Nets team that Jason Kidd took to the took to the finals to go against those Lakers. I and agree. I, and I think Jason Kidd was one of the few players that can actually impact a game without scoring. There's only a few players that can do that like a LeBron James, those kind of types of Magic Johnson. Jason Kidd is one of the few who can have a quadruple-double, a triple-double without scoring 10 points. That's very rare and very hard to do. So I give Jason Kidd the utmost utmost respect. No disrespect to GP. J-Kid. But J-Kid is the man. I'm taking J-Kid, definitely. So next up, this is another interesting one. Hawk, are you taking a prime Scottie Pippen or a prime Kevin Durant? Let me give you the career stats, Scotty Pipp. 16 points per game, six rebounds, five assists, one block, two steals, 47% from the floor, six-time champ, seven-time All-Star, three-time All-NBA first team, eight-time All-Defensive first team, KD. 27 points per game for his career, seven rebounds a night, three assists, one block, one steal, 48% from the floor, one-time champ, one-time finals MVP, one-time regular season MVP, eight-time All-Star, five-time All-NBA first-team, rookie of the year, and four-time scoring champ. Are you taking a prime Scotty or a prime Kevin Durant?
3: I would have to go with a prime Kevin Durant. Ooh, I definitely would have to go with a prime Kevin Durant because... He has one of the greatest offensive arsenals of all time. He can score from anywhere on the court. He's not too shabby defensively, and he's just a great overall player. Don't get me wrong, Scottie Pippen, one of the greatest of all times. You know, he's got six rings. He's been there with Michael Jordan. But we've seen what KD can do by himself and what he can do with others. And, you know, greatness is greatness. You know, regardless to whatever moves he made, Teams-wise and career-wise, just on the court, he's a supreme talent, supreme Supreme talent. You know Scotty, generational talent. Scotty, a great player for his time, one of the greatest defenders that there ever was, but I gotta go with KD. Mm.
1: All right, we two for two tonight, man. We two for two, <laughs> my brother.
3: Great minds think like, Great my brother.
1: Great like. I'm also taking KD. I'm not going to lie. No disrespect to Scotty at all. One of the best small forwards ever. Ever. One of the most versatile small forwards ever. But KD, that boy is an unstoppable force on the offensive end. 6'10, 6'11. Damn near seven feet. Can pull up from 30, as Stephen A. Smith says all the time. He can be a number one offensive option on the team. And he's no slouch on the defensive end. No if you notice this year, last year as well, he's leading the Golden State Warriors in blocks. Underrated. Underrated, le- underrated defender. Underrated defender. I think he, in his first couple of years, he had to learn how to be a great defender. Yeah, Scotty Pippen always had those intangibles. He's a great defender. We all know that about Scotty, but I think KD's offense trumps. Scottie Pippen's defense and versatility.
3: Absolutely. So I, would I, definitely have,
1: I definitely would have to go with KD. And I think ultimately, when it's all said and done, when KD's ready to retire, I think he's going to be higher on the list of small forwards than Scottie Pippen. I agree. So I have to go with KD. Definitely, man. So I appreciate you joining me from the crossover segment. So, Hawk, as we know, you are a coach as well. Yes, sir. For, for the young boys off the field. Yes, sir. So how's that going, my man?
3: Well, you know, uh, for those who don't know, uh, I coach at Sheepshead Bay High School, the junior varsity team. Uh, you know, right now we stand at two and six. We have one game left this Sunday, and overall, finale. yeah, the grand finale. Overall. We got a tough. Gr- we have a tough group of kids, man. You know, it's been a very challenging season. Some ups, some downs. A lot of our key players got hurt and they couldn't play. But I love to see the res- the resiliency that these young men have. Yeah. You know, every day after school, after they finish their classes, we practice until about 6:30 seven at night you know and these kids have have kind of throughout the season become like my sons yeah so you know what what Great i've been doing yeah absolutely what i've been doing along with uh, a good friend of mine so real is just documenting some of the things that we've been doing and going through the season with the boys you know so if you go to uh my simeon's house page or you go to my professor underscore OCK page, you can see some of the short films actually that we've put together and there's some more things in the works, you know, but we just wanted to give people an idea of how hard these young guys work. You know, football is a tough sport. It's a brutal sport, but at the same time, as an African-American male in the community, if I don't give back my time, if I don't tell these kids I love them, who will? So I'm just playing Mm -hmm. my part. I'm just playing my part, you know, some of these kids... They may not have that strong male influence in their life, so that's what I'm here for. I'm just playing my part like other coaches and other men have done for me in my life. Shout-out to Coach Gazillo.
1: Shout-out to Coach Gazillo, man. Big shout-out. That's also a great thing that you're doing, Brother Hawk, man.
3: Hey, yeah, I great, try my great best. Great things that you're doing, man. I try my best. I mean, listen, I know we were talking about Kaepernick earlier, but he's making a sacrifice for guys who's coming after him definitely. and guys who's currently playing. And I'm just trying to put positivity into these young boys' head because it'll be a certain day and time when they're my age and they got to give back and they going to think and about me. they always remember that
1: as well. Absolutely. They, they definitely will always remember that without a doubt. They always remember that father figure, that 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 male mentor that they got a chance to look up to. That means a lot for a young boy growing up, definitely in the inner city and in the inner communities disenfranchised communities. It's always a great thing, man. So big shout out to you for doing that, brother.
3: Absolutely. So, you know, I've been doing that, you know, in conjunction with my organization, Simeon's House. Actually, uh, on Thanksgiving, we're going to be having some of the boys go to different soup kitchens and different churches just to donate their time, Mm -hmm. help serve, give back, because it's it's always important to give back
1: always it's always
3: important to give back and support and support give back and support you know and these are things that you take with you for life so you know my hands have been tied with coaching the boys and also with the other group of boys just giving back so on thanksgiving that's the next time simeon's house will be doing something until next year and I'll keep you posted with that
1: oh definitely man and if you have any announcements as well let me know I'll always say it on the show you know I always support Simeon's House organization man
3: well you you know absolutely uh, as I mentioned we're gonna be doing that on Thanksgiving uh, probably the first quarter of next year I'm working on a podcast right now myself and my partner Boucher you know so we're just working on some things taking it step by step you know I see how hard you work here and I'm like wow man you're reaching so many people and you're talking about things that people want to talk about, but it's only one difference. They can't do it how you do it. Oh. So I respect you. <laughs> talk about it. And I admire you for that, man. So I you know, that. we we just working right now, man. We put things together. We also got a documentary coming. But as I said, check out the short films on the web pages and you know, contact me. I oh, can definitely. be reached at C H A K-I-M. 8 7 at gmail.com. So just reach out to me, follow the pages and keep in contact.
1: Most definitely. Peace man. and love. Of course. A big shout out to you for that, my brother. So of course, you know, you always can find your boy, just blaze on Twitter, Instagram, all of that good stuff at just blaze underscore five, one three J U S B L A Z E underscore five, one three. And like I said before, for next episode, make sure Y'all drop a voicemail, drop a VM. Leave a message. Leave a message on the telephone line, on my voicemail line. The number again is 908 718 1592. And of course, I'm going to be playing that on the next episode of Above the Rim. So, Hawk, I appreciate you, my brother. Thanks for joining me. Thank
3: you for having me. I appreciate
1: it. No, it's always a pleasure. So, that's Above the Rim episode 35. And we out.